Today's podcast is called Just Pray a Prayer, Read Your Bible, Pray More, and Everything Will Work Out All Right. This is part of our series, The Lies People Tell. But I want to stop right here and let you know that this Friday is one of our interview Fridays. And this Friday, we are interviewing the president of one of the largest, oldest Southern Baptist seminaries in continual operation. And so join us this Friday for this discussion of seminary education. You may have a friend or a family member who's thinking about seminary and is trying to decide whether to go or not. They may be wrestling with seminary online, seminary in person, or a combination of the two. And this Friday, we talk about all of this and more. You do not want to miss this Friday's interview. In the meantime, stay with us for The Lies People Tell, podcast number 043, podcast 43. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby, Out of My Mind, where we have a biblical conversation about the crazy world in which we live. Join us over the next 20 minutes or so as we provide you a bird's-eye view perspective of a complex issue confronting our culture, the church, and you as we apply God's Word to make sense of it all. At the end of the podcast, we'll point you to additional resources just in case you'd like to dig a little bit deeper. In the meantime, the lies people tell. Yeah, Keith, I think this is a great uh, way to get started in this podcast because uh, I think that's very often the lie that we hear from a lot of people, especially inside of Christian circles. And I probably hear more than anybody as a, as a youth pastor, we want to tell kids, well, you know, if you just pray harder or you read your Bible more, then everything will be okay. But I think we sometimes simplify the truths that we do find in the Bible too far and we lose some of that clarity. And so, uh, as we get started here, I want to just make sure of a couple things. Uh, you're not saying that reading the Bible is something we shouldn't do um, and is a bad thing or praying diligently is not something that's necessary or even asking Jesus to save to save you um, is something that we should not be doing, right? Absolutely, Mark. And I do want to be very careful here. We're not saying that a true heartfelt salvation prayer is a bad thing. We're not saying that, it, uh, that reading the Bible is a bad thing or praying diligently is a bad thing. But we've all heard these statements sometimes oversimplified. Just pray a prayer. Pray more. Pray harder. Read your Bible more. And things will work out okay. And in some sense, these things are true, yet poorly explained, poorly understood, poorly motivated. These words of counsel can become quite false, given in the wrong context. They become lies, obstacles to salvation, obstacles to young people in particular, Christians in general, growing in grace. And how is that? Well, we have to remember we're living in a post-Christian era and a post-Christian culture that is at once secular but very religious. And I know this sounds counterintuitive, but people like rituals. They like religious activities. They like to do stuff and engage in practices, often without understanding them. Yeah, totally. And I think we see this more and more, especially as these younger generations start to grow up and, and start to really hopefully grow into their faith, that they don't fully understand what even their parents believe. I think of for us in our youth group, we're going through a series right now just talking about these words that uh, we use as Christians that a lot of these students probably don't understand. And I just think of this past Sunday, I used the parable of the sower. And 
uh, we talked about, you know, these seeds that, that fall on the, on the sides or the edge um, and they, they shoot up, but they have no deep roots. And I think that oftentimes that's what happens uh, with our students. They can look good. They can speak the language. They can be moral. They can say things like, oh, I just need to pray, pray more and read my Bible more. And then, then God will love me more. And so they'll, they'll say these things. And we often assume like they're true Christ followers, but I, I think that's where a lot of the deception can come. And really, um, as we talked about this past Sunday with our students, this is where you can grow up and seem like you're a really good plant. But then when the storm comes and the sun beats down, you just get scorched and die. That's it. And that's how those statements become lies. Pray more. Just pray a prayer. Read your Bible. You know, prayer, it becomes checking a box. And it, it's, they're doing this to kind of like please the gods. And here's the deal. Pleasing the gods in these pagan indigenous cultures is all about keeping the gods off your back, keeping the gods at bay, not really knowing the one true God. And, and that's what's so dangerous about this, this superficiality. I think you touched on that a moment ago, that you know, these, these kids speak their parents' language. They can talk the religious talk. They look outwardly almost like Christians, but they end up being something like vaccinated against the gospel. You know, they're, they're gospel inoculated. And that's like, you know, and I'm talking about when people abuse antibiotics and they, then they get some bug that's, or some bacteria that's been exposed to too many antibiotics and they are antibiotic resistant, and there are young people, kids, children, young adults, older adults, who become gospel resistant because they've been gospel inoculated with some version of the gospel that isn't really the gospel at all. It's a lie. And then when life crashes in on them, they become discouraged, uh, they become cynical, they become angry, bitter, even depressed. Yeah, and I think ultimately it makes them harder and harder to reach. Yeah, that's it. And, and this kind of tragedy escalates. And I'm sure as a youth leader and as a family member, as a mentor, uh, you've seen this before. Yeah, definitely. I think it's been said multiple times by even well-meaning youth leaders and, and those types, you know, oh, here, just let me, you're going through a hard time. Let me just, here, just read these verses, you know, and it's it's almost like a pill. Just take this verse and you'll be better in the morning, but... Ultimately, that's not it, and I think we do a disservice to these young people by telling them that they do these works and things are going to be better for them. And so, so they do get to what you were talking about earlier, that checklist mentality of, well, if I just did this, this, and this, then life would be good. And if life's not good, then it's because I'm not doing this, this, and this, when sometimes that's just not the case. Exactly, and it's not just limited to young people either. Young people, old people, people of all ages, they've gotten this non-gospel that's kind of works-based and they're on this treadmill that is going nowhere spiritually and they often they get mad they get hopeless they walk away from the faith uh, they oppose the faith now don't get me wrong i want to say this one more time praying to receive christ is a good thing daily prayer praying throughout your day is a good thing reading your bible diligently is a good thing if it is done if it is done I want to say this again, if it is done rightly motivated, if it is done with a right understanding. I think that's spot on. And and really, I, I think where we see it fall apart in student ministries, and then you are right, this carries on far beyond student ministries because it is a bit of a, a disease or an infection um, that we see. And I think especially here in the American church that 
we we want to do these things so we want to check these boxes um and oftentimes what we see is in in that parable of the sower you know these are just shallow things and really ultimately they become just entertainment focused and you know i just come and i enjoy church i'm uplifted and so i move on and when things are hard it's probably because i'm not doing this or that the right way and and we're missing the whole underlying concepts that are in the Bible. And don't get me wrong. I think having fun is important. Obviously, I'm a youth pastor. Uh, if I don't like fun as a youth pastor, uh, probably not going to have very many students in my youth group. But we really have to be clear, especially with these students, um, and then at, especially for them as they grow, you know, what are they praying for? Why are they praying to receive Christ? Do they just want a magic Jesus to come and, and help make all their problems better? Or are they praying to receive Christ because they've actually understood the message of the gospel and it's come in and it's taken root and it's actually convicting their heart? You know, Mark, that is the $64,000 question. Do they really understand? Is it magic Jesus, the genie in a bottle? Or do they really comprehend their need for a savior and the need to pray a prayer? It is good to pray to receive Christ, some people, though, get too confused about this. We use that terminology about asking Jesus into your heart. And again, it's not bad because you do pray to receive Christ quite often. In Romans 10, 9 through 13, I remember somebody telling me once, I don't want them to pray to receive Christ. I, want, I don't want them asking Jesus into my heart. And I was like, well, let's slow down there a little bit. It's not necessarily a bad thing with the rightly informed mind and conscience in conscience, because it says in Romans 10, 9 through 13, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a mindfulness there. There is an understanding there that you confess what you understand with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, what you believed in your heart. You see that there, and there's nothing wrong about the whole prayer thing. I mean, think about it. Prayer is talking to God, calling out to God, calling upon the name of the Lord. It's all there in the passage. Confess with your mouth. Think about that. You are confessing that Jesus is Lord. In the old days, in ancient Rome, you had to say Caesar was Lord. And to confess Jesus is Lord was literally to present your body as a living sacrifice because it could cost you your life. And because you understood the reason of his sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection, you could believe in your heart of hearts that God raised him victorious over sin, death, and hell, and that he could bring you eternal life. And this is a clear understanding and embrace of the gospel. This is surrender to Christ. When you believe you're a sinner, you admit that you need a savior, and you confess and commit your life to Christ. Everyone who believes in him will be saved, will not be put to shame. And prayer in this passage, you have to admit, is a very real aspect. But it's more than just praying a prayer. It's giving your whole person to God. It's putting your trust, your faith, your confidence, because you understand your need for forgiveness and his ability to rescue you, his ability to forgive you. 
Exactly. And I think this is a good place to start to turn um, now and, and really tie this in with the lies that people tell uh, and how, you know, praying harder or reading your Bible more uh, are not bad things, but they can be lies that people tell. Well, you know, it's like this, <coughs> this whole works-based thing. You know, you do this and you do that, and you're basically being called upon to fix yourself. You know, there's a parable where Jesus talks about somebody being possessed by a demon and the demon leaves and they put their house in order and they clean themselves up and the demon returns with seven other demons and the last case is worse than the first case and they, they take this person's life back over and up in this person's life. You see, a right understanding of the gospel prevents you from straightening yourself out and then falling off the wagon again and working to straighten yourself out again. It's a supernatural freeing transaction because you embrace the God of the universe and he takes up residence in your heart and he changes you from the inside out. It all comes down to understanding. It all comes down to knowing the truth, to understanding the gospel. In John 8, 32, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And when he says this, he gets an unhappy rise out of the Jewish leadership who are given over to this, fa- this works-based uh, religion, that they have to do stuff, this religion of works, like pray harder, read your Bible more. When we give somebody the wrong gospel, when we give somebody a works-diluted gospel that is so watered down that it's lost its power, it becomes a counterfeit. It becomes a lie. And their next state of mind, like the person with the seven demons, is worse than the first. But knowing the real way of salvation leads to real and sincere worship. And that's the truth that sets a person free from dead, works-based religion. And it, it, it leads to real prayer and a hungry reading of God's word because we haven't failed to teach them the whole truth. We've given them the truth. It has set them free from misunderstanding how to be right with God. And so they read their Bible not to placate the gods. They pray not to uh, keep God off their back, but they read their Bible because they love God and they want to know him better. And they pray to him because they want to depend on him. They want to speak to him. He speaks to them through his word and they answer back through prayer. And, and so it's a whole different series of acts and actions. Praying becomes an act of intimacy, not a way of getting stuff. Reading his word has to do with getting to know him better to draw closer to him. And it's a whole different realm. It's a realm based in truth. But when you're doing some sort of ritualistic, pray this prayer, do this, do that, and God will treat you nice today, that's something less than rightly motivated prayer. That's something less than reading your Bible for the right reason. And why do we pray? And why do we read our Bible? I mean, to honor God and worship God ultimately. Exactly. And it's something that we want to do. It's a passion that we have. It's a reaction of gratitude. It's a reaction to God's grace and mercy. It is an act of true worship driven by a true desire, a true I want to a uh, true that I want to love God because of the way that he loved me. It's not that we first loved him. It's that he first loved us. And so we respond to him through prayer, through the study of his word, not out of some begrudging, grudging drudgery that's an obligation or a sense of duty. It's, it's a reflection of who we are, not what we... 
Christians are not known by necessarily what they do, but who they are. But who they are determines how they live. It's, it's all part of that identity. It's like this. Fish were made to swim. Birds were made to fly. Horses were made to run. And Christians were made to worship. And real Christians pray because that's who they are. Children of God who want to rightly relate to their Father in heaven. And so they read their Bible to discover truth. They pray to grow closer to God. They study the Word to understand how to equip themselves to serve God and to serve others. That's who we are. It's not a wooden, stilted, ritualistic thing. It's not a way to placate the gods. It's a way to love God more. It's a way to have your heart and mind transformed, no longer conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds through contact with God. And yet we've messed it all up sometimes by dumbing it down. Yeah, and I think that leads us to the question of, you know, ultimately, who is to blame uh, for all of this confusion and where, uh, where did we start to go wrong? And this is one of the uncomfortable facts of the matter, uh, Mark, is too often the church is to blame and too often pastors who outwardly look like everyone else are to blame. And I don't mean Bible teaching pastors or Bible reading, teaching, discipling shepherds, but pastors who are more or less uh, just going through the motions themselves, who, who inadvertently perhaps uh, engage in malpractice by neglecting real evangelism and real discipleship, and they train kids and adults to parrot God talk, to just repeat phrases, and they take their salvation for granted. You know, and I, and I know that you, this is not what you're about as a youth pastor, as a student ministries pastor. It's not what I'm about as a Bible teacher. And I'm sure particularly right now in your life, Mark, this is in the forefront of your mind because you've got this big retreat next week. Yeah, it totally is. And, you know, it's always on my mind to a certain extent just as a, as a youth pastor. But you are right. We were taking our kids to summer camp uh, this coming up week. And, you know, so often I've been to so many of these summer camps and I just see these kids that um, uh, we call them the, the, the summer camp savers, you know, the ones who just get saved every year at summer camp. And it's just this continual like, uh, you know, uh, time where these students, you know, they, they hear the emotional message and they feel all the emotions and, and they're, they're like, I need to confess my sins and I, I just want to be saved. And everybody's really excited. Uh, and then we come back home and I, as the youth pastor, don't see that kid for another year till we go to camp again. And then, um, the child is, you know, uh, recommitting themselves again. Uh, and what I would try to caution a lot of our staff about, and what I think we all need to be very careful about is we want to avoid these false conversions. These kids who, who think, Oh yeah, I'm Christian. Cause I, I prayed this prayer one time, um, to really, change those kids' mindset to help them understand that it's not about the one prayer that you prayed. It's about totally and fully surrendering to him and entrusting God uh, with with everything in their life. And really, that's this all-consuming passion that's going to come into them, and it's going to be, it's going to sustain a lot longer than that emotional moment at camp. You know, I think there's a cautionary tale there, too, for parents, Mark, because then the a young adult or the student returns from the retreat and they're on fire for a week or two. And the parents are saying, oh, they prayed a prayer and they're just OK. And they take their salvation for granted, which is something that neither a pastor 
nor a parent can do. Mark, I want to just kind of hijack the podcast here for a moment. You have this summer camp coming up at Hume Lake, June the 27th through July the 3rd. You want to give us a couple of things we can be praying for as an audience for this retreat? Because this podcast will play before the retreat takes place. What can we be praying for? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, first and foremost, uh, we want to pray that these kids get saved. Pray that they have true, authentic conversion experiences, that God convicts them uh, of the things that are going on in their lives, however um, minor or big, um, and that, that we're able to just um, help these kids and mentor these kids um, into a, a deep and fruitful relationship uh, with the Lord. And I think that's, that's you know, our primary one, obviously. Um, we want to pray that all these kids are safe um, and, and also praying for all those leaders that are going, that they would um, just be prepared for what God has called them to do in the lives of these students um, and that there would be nothing standing in their way uh, to help these kids start to see uh, the way God's worked in their own lives and, and really help these kids in their uh, journey towards uh, saving faith in Jesus. All right, Mark. So let's talk about the takeaway from this podcast. Parents and teachers, be sure you're being very clear about the gospel with your students, with your young adults, with your children. And youth leaders, be careful to understand and to communicate that the gospel is more than their comfort, their prosperity, their ease of life, that the Christian life, in fact, often involves great suffering, but it also brings great joy and great contentment in the life to come. We have to be careful to communicate the whole gospel to the whole person, and we don't want to substitute anything in its place. They need to worship the right God. They need to surrender to him in the right way. There is no substitute for the true saving gospel that goes beyond going through the motions of just praying a prayer and then reading your Bible to make God love you more and praying harder. No, this is all about a soul surrender. It's about heartfelt prayer aimed at a God that you adore on a daily basis. It's about reading his word so it can be a light to a, a lamp into your feet and a light into your path that leads you into a closer walk with God. And whatever you do, be careful not to inadvertently communicate something less because that's all part of the lies people tell. Just pray this quick prayer. Just read your Bible more. Uh, pray harder and everything will work out all right. We want to be giving the whole gospel to the whole person for the glory of God and the good of others. And yes, our own growth. For that's it for this week. If you have questions you'd like to ask, email me at keith at hillside.org and I'll try to answer them within 24 hours. In the meantime, if you'd like further resources, visit our podcast resource page, www.gracetoliveradio.org and click the podcast resource button. And whatever podcast platform you're listening on, give us a good rating, share us with others. We want to expand this ministry to help as many people as possible. This is Keith Crosby in studio with Mark Stickler. Out of my mind, God bless you and God keep you.